would do us musicians a favor if instead of counting down from five to one, they counted up from one to four. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. That'd be so much better. One, two, three, four, and then we're in. And then you we're know in. What? If Riverside won't do it, I will. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I think we're in, mate. We're in. How was that? Was that a pro podcast transition? That was, mate. That was brilliant. I like halfway through, I was like, please. Trans- you did it. You transitioned. Uh, you know what I mean? Good times. Good times. 152 How are you doing, episodes, man? mate. Oh my giddy on. It's a lot of hours. It's a, it's a, <laughs> a lot, lot of hours. Mate. It would explain um, why we're so good at this. You know what I mean? Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, come on. Stop. Come on. Stop. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you very much. My eye infection has gone down. Um, woke up one morning and looked like I'd been in a sparring match with Mike Tyson. And okay, this leads us on to the point of um, like last week's episode or the week before, Paralyzed by Perfection, right? There is a line to that. You know, perfection is a thing that can yet paralyze you and you can chase after it and it doesn't exist. But a black eye, I think that's worthy of not shooting content. Brother, I can tell you right now, (laughs) I think that... Let's see here. One hair out of place is paralyzed by perfection. Definitely. An eye infection? Stop pressing record. Yeah. Like, your eye shouldn't be more red than the tally light on the back of your camera that lets you know you're recording. <laughs> so if, if you've got an eye infection, shut the camera off. Take a couple of days off. You know, reconnect with the family. Paralyze perfection and then just like, okay, now you're just being stupid. Like, you know, right. I, I go through that every every day that I film. There's a moment where... I film, I transfer the footage, I look at it and I'm like, oh, we've hit the zone of get off camera, Mike. You are wrecked. You've been here since 5 a.m. You, <laughs> yeah, look, yeah. you look like you're, you've had a couple shots the night before. You look like you're half in the bag. Yeah. Let's just calm down. Mate, I tell you what, I need to tell the listeners about what happened after the Paralyzed by Perfection podcast. Okay. Um, because not only did it happen to me, or something happened to me, then it happened to you the next day with your camera. So listeners, oh. after having a full episode of being like, well, you know, perfection doesn't exist. Just go and make your content and, and just make stuff, create. I was fired up, mate. I was like, I, we, <laughs> we both were. We said goodbye. I hung up. I pressed the little red icon, the phone icon, which means podcast is over. Go and create some content. So uh, everything was lined up. I was inspired. I was energized. I was just up for it, mate. The camera, perfect settings. Yeah. Like everything was ready to go. I went to record and then more importantly, screen record. And I was trying to capture the audio at the same time. Pro Tools. Within one second of pressing play, a CPU error loads. And for a long, long story short, after talking about just making content and just getting on with it, I was crippled and uh, held back by technology, which is the worst thing. And it always hits you. And I know listeners can relate. That stuff always hits you when you're, when you actually want to make content. It's, it's the only proof that there could be a God and he is, I am his favorite pawn in his game. Like (laughs) it's, it, it, I mean, the fact that like I can go, I have perfect working everything and I'll go weeks without doing anything because I'm just procrastinating. And then finally, I'm fired up to make all the content. I'm fired up to do the thing. And then, yes, it says, uh, the camera says, you need a V90 card. And I'm like, well, this is a V90 card. This is the most expensive one they make. (laughs) I'll reformat it. Same thing. You need a V90 card. I'm like, I'm literally showing a camera 
through the lens, the card to be like, it's right here, dude. It is a V90 card. So whatever, we get through that. I've got extra cards. It's fine. Press record, do the whole thing, get back into the booth. <sighs> Didn't press record on Pro Tools. <laughs> and then like, I, okay, so this is the one thing. I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast, but how quick I can go from being inspired to actually being ready to quit my job altogether. Oh, mate. Like, I'm, I'm that is like a one to two second moment of like, I'm going to be the dopest creator on the planet. You know what? Screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get a job at Starbucks. Mate. I'm done. <laughs> I hate everybody. That was literally <laughs> me. such a negative Nancy. I go from like, I mean, yeah, because we all know how difficult it is to be in the right place to shoot content. You've got to feel good. Weirdly, you've got to be like, yeah, everything looks good on the camera and, and whatnot and technology, you know. Everything sounds good in my mix. I'm going to shoot a lesson and then you forget the battery and or something like that. There's nothing more frustrating when that happens because, yeah, you have to emotionally and mentally be in the right place to shoot content. And that doesn't come around often. So when you're held back by quick time, not wanting to screen record, I literally say to myself, that's cool. No one, no one would have cared anyway. No one wanted to see it. So I will never make content again and burn my drums. I don't even know why I try. I don't know why I try. Exactly. Honestly, when when I was having my issues, I I took the big jump that like no one in my position should do. I went to Apple's website and checked out some Macs. <laughs> now you know I'm Windows, Windows. I'm ride or die Windows. Windows, you messed up, boy. <laughs> Dude, I am PC for life. I, I'm you know I'm I'm looking at like I'm like well I don't know it seems to work for a lot of creators. Let me check it out. And then I'm like okay, Johnston, get your head out of your ass. Just take a deep breath. Go walk down to the river. Jump in if you feel like it. Right. <laughs> Float down. Uh, it, it was it was a crazy week be, because of the fact that we did an episode called Paralyzed by Perfection. Yeah. And, it, and you, you and I couldn't get anything done because tech kept getting in our way. Yeah. And then also what, what was really funny, and this is going to be a beautiful transition. I mean, it would have been a beautiful transition if I didn't say it was going to be a beautiful transition. But it's okay. we um, then did the second ever virtual camp with Drum and Mike and Eddie, which was booming absolutely booming but that was, that was I received <laughs> I received the voice note from Mike about an hour before saying yeah you know my f- five grand camera it's it's just not working <laughs> dude swear to god the actual camera I've never had I've, I guess I've just never held on to cameras long enough to have a problem with one I've never had a problem with a camera ever so this was a new thing for me because normally I'm I'm always upgrading. Like, what's the next thing? Well, they're, they haven't upgraded. There's no Sony FX3 Mark II. It yeah. just is the FX3 and it's been around for like three years now. Um, and for people that are like three years, that's nothing. Trust me, in camera world, that's like, it's like dog years. That's like 20, that's 23 years. Yeah. So, and mine are on all day long. Like they're even hardwired, like. You know, it's not, I'm not running off batteries usually. It's hardwired. They're on all day. I'm filming all day. I'm, when I'm editing, they're still on. So anyways, yeah, my main camera, camera one, just said, no, I'm good, dude. I've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I've helped you out as much as I could. And I'm like, but I paid for you. And it's like, eh, you rented me. That's basically what you did. I, I gave you three good years. Yeah, You've I'm made gone. a ton of money off of everything I've done for you. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I did the work. This is fine. So, okay. The one thing I got to say though is, when you were talking about, and I hope our listeners can relate to this, when you were talking about having to get get all ready for this stuff, get emotionally ready, the difference between us and maybe a cinematographer or someone that's a content creator for uh, for hire 
is that we have to emotionally be ready to be in front of the camera. So we have to do all the technical stuff. We have to nail focus. We have to have the lighting set right. We can't be overexposed, underexposed, all of that. We have to get the mics going. We have to put on our own lav mics, turn on record, press record on everything. We have to do all the tech stuff. But then we also have to be emotionally ready to be in front of the camera. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that's the thing that I think holds. It's what holds me back sometimes. It's like, yeah. Well, I don't want to fake it. I'm not feeling it. So I kind of have to wait around until I'm just juiced to share this thing with the world instead of being like, hey, I'm juiced. And it's like, okay, but you're not. We can see it. You yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. It's, it's a weird waiting game of like, okay, am I going to be inspired today? Yeah. No. All right. Well, I guess I'll just do some busy work. That's why, I mean, when you're at home or, I mean, you describe it perfectly and it happens to me. This is my excuse for not going to the gym anyway. Um, But you say, you know, when you're in the gym and then you're 10 minutes into a workout and you're like, no, I just want to make videos. I just want to do something. And you just leave the gym. Like, it's so funny how it can be so hard to get in that that state of mind. But then when it does come, you've just got to, you've got to pounce. Like you've got no time to waste. Absolutely. Well, everybody, welcome into episode 152, Drum with Mike and Eddie, the podcast of two professional drummers that rarely talk about drums. But I feel like we've talked a little bit about, no, I guess we didn't. (laughs) We talked about making drum content, but we are talking a lot about drums today. By the way, to everyone that did attend the second virtual camp, thank you guys. That was an incredible, incredible experience. Um, And I hope you guys got a ton out of it. Uh, It was our groove camp. And Eddie taught some pop punk stuff that is so, so easy to take for granted and be like, I could do that until that moment where you're here at camp and it's like, okay, cool, do it. And then they go, well, no, no, I just mean like, I, I just got to move some from my savings to check. <laughs> it's like, is that okay. the DW5000? It is. Oh, Ooh, yeah, see. I know. But is it an accelerator? No, I'm a turbo. I need the turbo. Yeah. Um, Can't yeah. Do it. Oof. So I, I thought. Yeah, I, I could have done it. I just, I, I need a long board. Um, when I was, by the way, if you think we're making fun of you, we're not. We've just been doing this for a long time and we've made those excuses. We've heard those excuses. Yep. And in the end, you can either do it or you can't. And it's okay to be like, I can't do this. I will happily tell everyone right now the story I told for the uh, uh, the camp, which was when Eddie told me what song he was going to do. It's called Meet You There. Uh, he was going to teach it at our in-person camp here in Folsom. And because it was a busted song, I actually didn't even, didn't even listen to it. And I knew I was going to be the one that had to teach like the intricate drum parts. And then Eddie was going to help everybody record it and make it feel good. And I just went to Tahoe on vacation with the wife and didn't care. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, I'll be home a day before the camp. I, it's a pop punk tune from busted. Yeah. I, I put it on for the first time and I was like, no, this is, this is wrong. Spotify is playing a tool track. <laughs> This is the most complicated drum part I've ever heard in my life. Like it just, and the worst part is the fact that it doesn't show up in the bridge. It's the intro. It's the first yeah. note you hear. I'm like, I can't play that beat. I don't know how that beat was played. And then I have to do the whole student excuse thing to you. And I'm like, well, Eddie, I don't have a stacker, so I can't really play the groove. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyways, I, we've all been there, but it's okay to admit like, no, I can't do this. And it's like, fine, then yeah. let's chip away at it until you mm-hmm. can. And that's, Oops, that's what the camp was all about, was just getting to that point where it's like, okay, I'm going to teach this world groove called the Songo, but teach how to make it an environment. Eddie's teaching this pop punk thing, but neither one of these lessons have anything to do with world grooves or pop punk. They have to do with tackling something that's in front of you. Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, Yeah, I've been there so many times as well, mate. 
Oh, you want me to play that feel from like an, an old song that I recorded 20 years ago? Oh, thing is, thing is, mate, um, that was a 10 inch I had a tom. 10 back then. Yeah. <laughs> there, we, there we go. There we go. I mean, that just shows me and you have both pulled the, tra- the same oh. trick there. Yeah, um, that was that was a ten. So like the response on the on the singles, it's just easier. It wouldn't it wouldn't yeah, sound anywhere near as good on the on the thirteen or. or the we 14. have a ten over there, and it's like no, no, that's a ten by seven. I was a little deeper at the time. It was ten by eight. I wanted a power <laughs> sound. So, all right, we've all made excuses. Let's get into it. So today's episode is all about tips that we would give teachers that are just starting out. Hell, tips that we would give ourselves that we could go back in time. Um, Eddie's been teaching a ton privately and obviously doing camps uh, and the virtual camps and teaching online. Uh, I obviously teach for a living. That's all I do. So we just think it's important for everyone out there to know that, well, one, you have to, teaching is a skill. I don't understand why it never gets taught that way. It always, you know, the whole, if you can't do, then teach thing, that makes no sense. You'd have yeah. to, if you're going to teach properly, you better be able to do, you better, you always say that you better be able to walk the walk. Like, yeah, for sure. And, and you and I both have a little bit of, um, I don't know, we get really in our heads about teaching things when we haven't walked the walk, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you were just telling me the other day, you're the most fired up to teach right now than you've ever been because you're currently touring. You're currently doing TV stuff where it's yeah. like, well, now I want to teach it because I'm doing it. I don't feel like a fraud. I'm doing this stuff. Yeah, mate. And and that's honestly one of my biggest tips for teachers. It, it I kind of always compare the drums to the gym for some weird reason, but like you wouldn't really want to get trained in the gym by someone who was like morbidly obese. You know I mean? It it's would like, make no sense. I, I've never understood that at all when yeah. I see like, let's say a soccer coach or a football coach on the sidelines and they're just a train wreck of humanity. And I just think, when was the last time you ran from goal to goal? <laughs> exactly. Tom. Exactly. And this also, this feeds into a lot of people's imposter syndrome. And when I say like, you know, you can't teach unless you're playing, if, if you know, unless you're in a touring band. That's not what I mean. Like, I'm right. sure you are good enough to be a teacher. But what I mean is that like, you know, if you are teaching people how to record, then like, just open up Logic or Pro Tools and record yourself from time to time. I think my biggest tip for drum teachers, um, one of them anyway, is, is, yeah, like force yourself to kind of walk the walk from time to time. You know, like play a gig down your local pub or join a wedding band or record just on your own to see how tough it kind of, tough it can be. Anyway, my point is, the, the reason why I'm saying this is because I kind of went through it as well. You know, like I was teaching quite a lot and making content and then without really realizing I, I wasn't really doing much, mainly because it was COVID, but still, um, teaching became instantly more enjoyable and I felt like I had way more to give and I was naturally more enthusiastic about it because I had just done what they were either talking about or, um, yeah, what they were referring to. So for example, um, independence, you know, like, well, I just recorded this song and it required some independence. So yeah, I'm buzzed to talk about that because I just went through something or rudiments. Cool. Well, I play this one rudiment after every single busted song live. So let's show, I'll show you that. And my point is, man, I think it's, it's really important for drum teachers to kind of force those situations because they don't come naturally. If you're a full-time drum teacher, you probably don't have much time, but I think it is quite important to carve out whatever time you do have to just go and play a gig down the pub or, you know, totally. learn 50 songs for this wedding gig. As much as it may hurt your soul for whatever reason, it shouldn't. But 
you know, just do those things. And I think totally. that is like the most important thing, man, when it comes to teaching. Drumming, you know, on a drumming level, a big rock ending is no difference between you with busted and pyro going off everywhere and then a wedding. It's like on a drumming level, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. You may have fire next to you and then the person at the wedding has rice being thrown on them, but it's still the same thing. And, <laughs> and that's, and, or, or, or at your local pub. And the good thing about being a drum teacher is if you're doing private lessons, you're not doing anything after 7 p.m. Like, I mean, the latest I've ever taught was until 8 p.m. So I used to do noon to eight every day at Skip's Music. So 16 students a day, all half hours, and then you just pray for someone to cancel so you could have a power bar Whoa. and some Gatorade. Um, and so, and that was a that was a heavy schedule, but I got off at eight. And so if load-in was at nine and gig was at 10, fine, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing too is a lot of times I just worked Monday through Friday and I just have weekends off. So yeah. Or I'd stopped, it, you know, the greatest thing about being a teacher is you're in control of private instructors. You're in control of your own schedule. So it's like, well, just on Fridays, no lessons after 4 p.m. Gives you yeah. time for load in, sound check, gig, gig on Saturday, get back to teaching on Sunday. So, <clears throat> well, I think so. Number one tip. First one from Eddie is walk the walk. Yeah, it walk is, man. I mean, even when you were saying that out loud then. I was thinking, all right, let's say I didn't play in Busted right now. I would definitely have some sort of fun like gig going on where yeah. I would get in a room with like a guitar player, a bass player, or maybe a keys player or something. And we would just like write music and record it. And it didn't have to be put out into the world. It's just a fun process of like discovering what you love about music and drumming. And then also what you need to get better at, which is, I mean, you don't, it's kind of my lesson on the last virtual camp. It's like, by learning a song or recording, which is two things you do in a band, you learn music and then you go to record right. it. You will yep. be shown areas of your playing that you suck at, that you wouldn't find on your own. You know what 100%. I mean? So that's one of yeah. mine, man. That's one of mine. So what's your, uh, what's one of your tips for drum teachers? Oh God. I'm sure you've got many. I was going to say like, it's, it, it, it's a problem. It's, it's definitely something I, I should probably seek out counseling for. Uh, but <laughs> I would say my first, first tip, the most important thing I would tell a new teacher would be ask questions. Like, I can't tell you how many lessons have gone wrong for me. And by the way, for people that don't know, I still take lessons. So I'm still always hitting up people that I see online and just saying like, hey, man, could we do like a, you know, a batch of Skype lessons or whatever. So this is from me being a kid through being, you know, a private teacher as a as a late teen, all the way through my 20s and 30s. And, and I've always taken lessons myself, but I can't tell you how many people just never asked me a question. They just started teaching me drums. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I don't think you, you know, if somebody just said like, ah, got to hold that stick traditional. I'm like, have you, did you go to the last Simon Says show? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I don't even hold them forwards. I hold them backwards. Like, I don't think you understand like yeah. how hard I have to hit in this band. So it's like, <laughs> ask questions. Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. I would, you know, the first thing I'm going to ask, whether it's a kid or an adult, is, you know, who's your favorite band? Who's your favorite drummer? Now, if they're new, maybe they don't have a favorite drummer. Maybe they don't have a, but they probably have a favorite band. If it's a kid, maybe they have their dad's favorite band. Um, I would say anyone under 15, eh, even under 18 right now, might not, honestly, might not have a favorite band. They might have a favorite artist. So try not to be old school teacher and be like, what do you mean you don't have a favorite band? It's like recognize modern music, 
they're buying, they're not buying anything. They're, they're listening to singles. They don't know what an album is. So try to put yourself in their mindset and be like, okay, what's your favorite song? Maybe they don't even know the name of the artist. They just know the song. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to crap on somebody's perspective just because they open up their phone and show me a song on TikTok. It's like, fine. You're emotionally feeling the same thing I feel when I listen to a tape back in 87. Who gives a crap what format it comes on? What makes you feel something when it comes to music? So I want to know that. Then the next thing I want to know is where does this, where do you see this thing fitting into your life? You know, somebody might say like, look, I have a busy life. This is just a hobby. Like, cool. Now I've got, now I've got some expectations on how I'm going to teach you and what I'm going to get from you as a student. So hobby, cool. Or I, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Okay, well then the lessons are going to be a lot different than the person that wants to do this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I don't, there's no one size fits all when it comes to education. Yeah. Um, And then the other question that I have to ask is realistically, you don't have to appease me here. Realistically, how much time do you have to practice per day? And once again, that's changing how I'm teaching. It's changing my expectations. Oh, I can only practice about an hour on Saturday and Sunday. Cool. That's more than enough for us to achieve a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but the one thing that's going to change with that is, okay, well then we're going to focus on fun. If you're only doing this for an hour on Saturday and Sunday, I don't want you sitting down working on rudiments. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I want, the, yeah. I don't want this to be homework every Saturday. It's, it's the weekend. Like, okay, we're focusing 100% on music. You're going to play songs because I just need that hour to be heaven for you. And you know what? Theory is going to go way down the list. Yeah. I couldn't care less about that. I just need to get you playing songs. And then if somebody says like, uh, between an hour and two hours a day, okay, cool. Then we can have a well-balanced diet of the theory stuff and rudimental stuff, plus the independence and the music and everything else. So for me, my number one tip is ask questions. Boom. Brilliant. It's so good, right, mate. Give me your second tip. Okay, tip number for, two from Eddie Thrower. Here we go. Here we go. Um, for me, it is find a niche or mine's a, mine's a, mine's a, I'm going to split this one up, right? Find a niche slash um, discover the teacher you are and turn it up to 10 kind of thing. I know that's, a, that's not very, oh. uh, that's not a, a clear and concise point. But by this, I mean, you know, like don't fall into the trap of just trying to be a carbon copy of someone else and don't teach how you think you should teach. Do you know what I mean? I think when yeah. things started to make more sense for me was when I kind of gave up on like, think kind of gave up chasing the to be the perfect teacher and by doing that i enjoyed teaching more and actually my lessons um it's a bit of an arrogant thing to say but i I feel like the people who come to me for lessons or whatever you want to call them get more from them because i am just me like i I think it also you know if you're like this if you're a, a teacher who swears by theory and wants to do books and stuff you'll attract those people right which is wicked if you're someone like me who wants to get people in here recording and playing drums and moving more away from that you'll get those people therefore both parties the teacher and student or whatever are going to benefit more from that and I think you know whether it be how you talk or your your energy do you know what I mean I think be you um and 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 don't be scared to do that. And I know it's e- I know it's easier said than done because I think with social media you see the way other people teach, and someone might teach a specific way and it works for them, so you kind of follow that path, or you know, like whatever it may be. I think finding a niche or finding how you teach and truly going down that route 
um, is the best way of, of doing it, mate. I think for me, man, like I'm teaching more people than I've ever taught before. I'm enjoying teaching. I truly think that people are benefiting more. And that's just because I come in here and I'm like, yeah, we, we won't need that pad today, mate. Totally. You know what I mean? totally. Yeah, you, you can you can leave that pad. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play music and and I mean a f- funny example, but yeah, I think finding a niche is super super important and just discovering who you are as a player and as a teacher. And I think it comes with time and discovering what you enjoy about teaching. I think it, from for me, it's totally. all about all right. The lessons I had back in the day sucked. Um, I want to teach how I wasn't taught. Do you know what I mean? And and totally. So yeah, that's one for me, man. I And I think, like you said, that's so important because I remember when you and I first started talking like way back in the day, it's probably been, God, almost four years now. But I remember you thinking like, well, but I'm not you. Like, I, I don't know all this theory stuff. And it's like, okay, but no one would come to you for that because you don't project that online. So mm-hmm. the only way they're going to know you is from following you. And since you're not projecting that you're somebody that's working on a bunch of crazy swiss hybrid rudiments then it's like well it would be on them if they came to you and they're like hey i'd really like to work on my hybrid rudiments and you'd be like that's fantastic so would i do you know anybody <laughs> like well <laughs> cool let's do it together I'll, I'll pay half you pay half like and if somebody came to me and said look um i truly actually i have it happening tomorrow so tomorrow i have a private student that you know um and i'm not gonna i don't want to say his name because i, I don't want to I don't know how much he wants people to know about the stuff, but he's, he wants to do something. Let's consider it to be kind of Vegasy, um, whether it be like, or, or stage showish. Um, like let's use, uh, Broadway as an example. He wants to do something like that. So he's bringing me the book. He's bringing me the audio, everything. And he wants help with it. Now I've done minor versions of that stuff in the past. Obviously I studied charts and everything, but those are different charts. There's going to be a moment in the lesson where I'm going to have to, I might, depending on where he's at with this stuff, either I can help him or I'm going to have to say, you know what, dude, to be totally honest, I think we should call Carter McLean. Like Mm. he does this every single day. He's done more Lion King shows than anyone in the history of the world. He's been on Broadway for the last decade plus. Why don't we just call the guy that, that does this, you know? And, and that's, I mean, not everybody can do everything. So I think having a niche and and just projecting that to the world. Honestly, my niche is general education. Like, I my favorite thing in the world is taking an intermediate drummer and turning them into an advanced drummer. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite thing in the world to take someone that's never played and teach them to play. And it's not my favorite thing in the world to take a very advanced drummer and try to make them the next Vinnie Caliuto. That's the imposter syndrome, but it's real. It's like, well... But I'm not the next Vinny Caliuta, so I don't know what to tell you. Like, mm. I can get you to a point. I try my best to do kind of the thing where it's like, well, I will get you to a point that you just don't need lessons anymore. Like, you're now on your own. You have all the physical skill sets you could ever need. The only thing missing is your voice. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to pay for that one. <laughs> you're going <gonna, laughs> to have to sit down in a room and just work that stuff out. Okay, so... Yeah. Uh, have a niche. I love it. Uh, my next tip is for private teachers. So this is definitely private teacher for sure. I guess it could cross over the world online. We'll talk about online stuff later, but my next tip is outline your lesson. So you don't actually have to write it down, but it, it wouldn't hurt. And when I say outline your lesson, I'm not talking about minute for minute. You need as an educator to think, 
what are the things that you're going to accomplish in this chunk of time? Whether it's a half an hour or an hour or two hours, whatever. But in this chunk of time, what are the things that you want to accomplish? So for me, one thing that's really big is I need to get them comfortable in this space and on this kit. So we need to fit in some time to warm up. That Usually I do that in the form of trading fills. We sit down and we just start playing a groove. I do a fill, groove, they do a fill, groove, I do a fill. And we just trade fills back and forth. It's not about warming them up like, oh, their hands need to get warm or I need their foot to be faster. This is a foreign drum set that they play for one half hour every week or every two weeks. I need to get them comfortable on this kit. Also, I need to get the heart rate through the roof, which is going to happen if they trade fills with somebody they look up to and then come back down. So it's like, all right, let's it's kind of like getting warmed up for a show. Do some wind sprints, let it all chill out, and then you're going to be fine. So, you know, the outline might have warm up or trade fills, then maybe question time. I need to find out. So what did you practice the thing we that I gave you last week? How much progress did you make on it? How are you feeling with it? And then also, can you show it to me? I need to make sure we're ready to move on. If that's all good, then the next part of the outline would be teach them the next step. Whatever the next step in their journey is, teach that to them. And then from there, there's so many different things that might happen. If the next step happens to be a song we're working on, I might have to go into the other room and record me playing part of the song and film it so I can send it to them. Well, that that's the stuff that teachers, that's why there's can be so bad at time management. They're like, well, I'll just film it for you. It's like, okay, well, do we have five minutes left? You're going to fire up a camera, Pro Tools. Like You don't have enough time for this because you didn't manage the time. So that outline for me is really important to know, okay, if the student's showing up at five and it's a half hour lesson and I want to send them home with a video of this thing, I got to be on the kit by 520. I got to be on the kit in a different room pressing record. So let me get the camera set up so that all I have to do is turn power on, press the space bar, and then we're good. And then I'm going to also have to know that I can't get them this file until tomorrow because the next student will be here and then I have to go. So having an outline, even if it's in your mind, you need to know what are you trying to accomplish in this lesson because there's nothing worse for the student than the teacher going, so what do you want to do? That's game over. You've already lost. Gives me anxiety. So what I want to do is leave. That's what I want to do, teacher. Like, you shouldn't ask me that question. Yeah. I'm paying you to tell me what we're gonna do you know mm-hmm. yeah i get you man i get you that gives me anxiety when you say that because i think <laughs> it's like looking at the clock so what you do you want to do when someone sits down and they're just like killing and they're just blasting around the kit a million miles an hour and you're like so uh, what, so you're what, pretty good what, what, what's what's the deal here what you what are you trying to get from this hour um yeah man i'm But I mean, mean, like, okay, so I I won't mention the names because I don't know if we're allowed to, but you're teaching a very famous person right now how to play drums. mm -hmm. You you can't just go in and be like, so, you know, it's like you, like I said, ask questions first. What are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish? That should be on lesson one. You don't do that on lesson two, three, four, and five. It's like, cool. Now we have a plan. But you have to, I'm assuming in a situation like that, because I think you go to his house you have to come in with a plan. You can't just walk in on the fourth lesson and be like, yeah. so what are we doing today? Yeah. It's like, exactly. Man. And I, that leaves me on to my third tip. Like I, I think co- confidence is key and it Oof, takes a while 100%. to get there. And I wouldn't say I'm the most confident teacher, but I'm way more confident than I ever was. And when I say confident, I mean, having the confidence to say, mate, we need to 
like really work. We're not moving from this point. You know what I mean? Drums can be a very totally okay. You're here to have fun, and we we want to jam out and whatnot. But we can't move from this point until you conquer it. Otherwise, you won't have fun because you won't be able to play the things that you want to yep. play. Or whether it's you know just just even confidence, like you said, with the structure of the lesson. I know you might want to sit down and do this and do this, but. I think this is what you need to work out. So let's just try and do this. I just think confidence overall is really important. And I think, you know, not being uh, taken back by age comes into it. If you're teaching someone that's maybe older than you, all of those things like experience. And like, like you said, mate, I'm teaching someone that is like here in the UK, a big boy in like yeah. the music scene, right? I would never, I mean, he's come here like twice now or, or, or once, but I've been to his house a couple of times, but you know, I sat him down um, and put on his own music and got him to play drums to it and was sort of guiding him through the process and saying like, this is what you should be doing. You know, I know you're busy, so we'll scrap that. This is the plan. This is going to help you yeah. and this is going to get you better. And I think a couple of years ago, mate, I would have crumbled. I would have just, just fallen to the, you know, I would have just um, sort of resided to, let's do whatever you want to do, mate. Let's just have a laugh. But now I'm like, right, let's do this. This is going to help. Mm -hmm. We've worked on that for 10 minutes. Let's move on to the next thing and whatnot. And I think confidence is key, man. I think being, yeah. being confident in, in many different ways will help you as a teacher. And, and it also reflects, I, I think the, the, the student or the pupil, whatever you want to call them, they feel it. They feel it, mate. They're like, okay, I'm totally. in safe hands right now. I know this is drums. It's meant to be fun, but I am paying for this. Do you know what I mean? And like, Totally. That's what you and I talked about that coming up to the second uh, virtual camp was like, I need to make sure that as soon as these people log in, they know like you're in good hands. I know this whole thing is weird. You know, not everybody's familiar with our, the platform that we use. They're, they might be more familiar with Zoom. They're wondering, do they need cameras? Like all this stuff. It's like from the moment they get there, you and I are sat in our chairs with our microphones just saying like, guys, it's going to be just fine. We know exactly what we're doing. And that confidence is so important to project when you're in the role of being a teacher. I mean, that's why substitute teachers get so abused when they step in because they come in. They're like, so what was Mrs. Johnson showing you? And it's like, oh, sorry, lady. Game over. <laughs> we got you. Yeah. You know, but when somebody walks in and says, look, I don't know what you guys were working on yesterday, but I can tell you today we are talking about the Sherman Antitrust Act established in 1852. All right. Who knows what that is? Then it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm seven, so I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the hell you're talking about, Bob. So I think having confidence that here's the best thing I could tell you for the listeners out there that are especially just starting your teaching role. You may not be great at everything, but you can do this. Mm -hmm. And that is the attitude I have. I mean, Eddie, you know the people that come to camps. We've had billionaires. We've had sports people. We've had, you know, Hollywood people. We've had Hollywood producers. I never care about any of that stuff because I just know like, well, that's great, but I can do this. This is the one thing I can do. I am terrible at so many things. But, but in this moment, I'm sorry, like, this is, it's, you know, I never go quite uh, like, I don't know who, there's someone online that always kind of uses the reference. I don't go quite like, this is my dojo. I never think of it like that. I think uh, this is our space, but I do see it as like, and me helping you in this space is the one thing that I've dedicated my entire life to. I can do this. So having yeah. that confidence allows people that are older than you, more successful than you, all that stuff, they pay attention to you because they're like, okay, well, 
you can do this and I need mm-hmm. this information. And yeah. that's the thing. It's a, it's a transaction, you know, whether it's for money or not, like you're, you're just, you're saying, okay, for this payment, I will provide you with this information. Yeah. But instead of just information alone, this information comes with instruction because exactly, man. information is in a book, but in a lesson, then it's like it's information coupled with instruction that makes it a true lesson. It is, man. So, yeah. Just a, another quick one on that. I think. Bring it. You know, like there's there's been times where someone sat down in here and, you know, they're like, oh, well, I, I, I've been playing my whole life. I'm now 55. I play in bands all the time and just kind of want to learn some new fun stuff. And we're talking and we're warming up. And I'm like, right, paradiddles, let's keep talking. Oh, you can't talk ever a paradiddle. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. In that moment, and everyone listening who has taught, it's like you got two rows in front of you. It's like, do you go down the right one where it's just like, let's pretend that didn't happen and let's not make things, not awkward, but like, let, let's just keep it fun and bubbly. Okay, we'll go right. down that road. Or the left turning, which is like, I'm going to stop you right there and we'll just, we'll just address like, what's, what's, why you can't do that maybe? What, and, and that will lead us down a, a completely different path. And it's a, it's a weird situation if you don't know someone to just say, it's all good, man. Like, if you're struggling with that, then these are probably the reasons why. But yeah, it's choosing those those different roads to go down. But I think confidence is key, man, to just know that if you, you do go down have, that... Mate, exactly. Like it. If you go down that more difficult road, you've got the skills and the knowledge to help them off it. Totally. And you let them know that, like, by the way, it's normal. I I wouldn't... The reason I ask you to tell me your address while we were playing Paradiddles is because I wouldn't expect you to be able to do that unless you've practiced it. Yeah. And I'm still learning about you and learning. But I can tell you this. If you can't tell me your address while playing Paradiddles you sure as hell can't talk to your keyboard player while playing a full song and tell them like, hey man, get the drum tech. My my snare drum thro- or my yeah. throne just broke or my snare drum stand just broke. There's so many times that you need to have the freedom of communication while playing. And so something like talking over a paradiddle on a pad can actually expose this thing where it's like, this is going to bite you in the ass coming down the road. So let's fix it now. All right. My third tip is <laughs> set expectations there's nothing worse than teaching a full lesson letting the student out the door and then saying i don't know if i told them what they need to do they have one week before they're going to see you again if you're doing it on a regular basis or two weeks what are they supposed to do just practice like you need to let them know next time i see you i need you to be able to do this next time i see you i'm going to record you doing this Next time I see you, we're hoping to have paradiddles at 90 BPM. If you set great expectations, their practice will be so much more focused in the week. That's what setting expectations isn't for your benefit. It forces them to be like, well, I know exactly what I need to do. If I told you to go to the gym and get stronger, you wouldn't know how to accomplish that. But if I said, okay, I want your squats to be at 200 pounds within six months, I want you to be able to squat 200 pounds on the rack. Then it's like, okay, well, I'm at 90. I'll try to be at 92 tomorrow. And I've mm-hmm. got six months to chip away at it. And I, I've got this target goal. So setting expectations at the end of the lesson, like I said, that doesn't, doesn't mean that it's BPM related. It, it might be if it's pad stuff or it's if, they're, if you're what you're working on is speed. But it could be the expectation of what's going to happen next time I see you. Like, you know, Eddie, you could say, all right, next time I see you, we're going to track the intro, the verse, and the pre-chorus of this song. Have that ready. No excuses. Then it's like, cool. What do you think their week's going to be like? They're going to be obsessing on trying mm-hmm. to do that because they're they've got this almost like this test. Like, okay, I got. I'm going to go back into 
Eddie's studio and he's going to track me. And tracking means we're going to listen back to it. So setting expectations at the end of the lesson is so important. It's not really homework. It's just letting them know, like, look, we have a goal in mind. It's not to randomly get better. It's to accomplish these very specific things. And if we can keep accomplishing these little things, it's going to add up into one massive big picture that's going to be incredible. And then that thing starts happening, which I'm sure you've experienced as a teacher. But your students start saying things like, your students start saying things like, man, my, my band asked me what I've been doing lately. You know, yeah. it's like, oh man, I'm so happy to hear that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the dream. I think, uh, uh, who was it? Can't remember who it was, but somebody on our, um, on our hang at the end literally said that cause they're a jazz drummer, but they've been playing all these pop things in sessions on our website. And they're like, yeah, man, like the, my band asked me like, what have you been doing lately? You sound totally different. You sound yeah. great. And it's like, oh, I've been tracking myself every day, just tracking. And so it's yeah. like, I think that that's such a, a key part of private teaching is setting expectations for the student. No, oh, mate, 100%, man. I know we were going to do three each. Well, yeah, three each. I've just got a quick one to end mine with. And I Bring think it. it's, it's something that I think me and you do subconsciously without um, really thinking about it. But yet again, the gym world, everyone knows this gym instructor instructor that loves himself and like makes out that he can lift and do every exercise effortlessly. And that just annoys you even more and makes you want to just like give up altogether. And I think something to do, and I do it all the time because it's genuine and I can't do most things, but tell the, your student or the person you're having a lesson with that you can't do it. And like you really struggled with it. And I'm actually struggling with this at the minute, like I did in the live stream the other day with the virtual camp, the kick right, kick left, right for me. Kick left, right. I absolutely bombed it. But I genuinely think like, let's say you can do everything in the world, right? Well, just in that moment, show the person you're teaching that you struggled with something and this is how you got through it. And you're struggling with something at that moment in time as well. I think, I honestly think that is so, so overlooked i think that comes from an insecurity from a teacher maybe that they don't want to show a a sign of weakness and it's like well actually all you're doing is being relatable and i think that makes the the student or person trust you even more do you know what i mean so um i think that's really important as well no i i I totally agree being relatable showing empathy showing like look or even just when i talked about setting expectations sometimes you have to tell them the reality of like if i if you walk into my room and i say all right let's do doubles at 200 we do some double strokes and then they're, they're like, I can't do that. And it's like, okay, where can you do them? And we, we go through all the tempos and we find out, all right, your perfect double strokes are at 70 BPM. And they're like, oh my God, you wanted me to do it 200. I do eventually. But when I started working on doubles and really caring about them until I got to 200, that was about two years of my life. So great news. You have two years. <laughs> like, and then it's like, okay, well that's a little bit more manageable because as a student, I just walked in here and you dropped doubles on me at 200. It's like, well, yeah, I started when I was five. I'm 47. Mm-hmm. I've had four plus decades to chip away at this. Calm down. We're going to be fine. So letting people know like, hey, here's this thing. Um, you know, let's say the intro to meet you there. If somebody came to me and said, I, I can usually get on the kit for about a half an hour a day. I'd say, okay, I, I think you'll probably have this intro down in about two to three weeks. Mm. Or if you're doing four hours a day, you could probably do it, you know, in, in three days. Um, but it's, it's just, you have to let people know like this stuff doesn't come easy. And the other thing that's super important is letting students know, 
whatever you're feeling right now with this basic, basic groove, because you're a beginner, I'm feeling the exact same thing with the groove I'm working on. The only difference is the complexity of what we're playing, but I'm going through the same thing. I'm just a little more patient with myself because I've, I've done this for so long that I know it will eventually come. It's just one note at a time. Keep yeah. chipping away. So yeah, I, I mean, if, if you and I could combine for one superpower tip, it would be be patient as a teacher. And make sure that your students know that they need to be patient with themselves. Yeah, man. This thing, this thing does not happen overnight. It doesn't, um, mate. All right. My final bonus tip before we get out of here. And I think if you're okay with it, do you want to do another episode of how this would change if it was all online? Because you and I do a lot of online teaching. All right. We've, we've just uh, sorted out next week's episode. So that's Boom. good. You know what I mean? So next week, please join us for episode 153, three tips for online educators. Um, no, but the quick bonus tip is oh biscuits did i forget it i need to snort some matcha <laughs> i tell uh, you <laughs> i had it no so it was okay hold on was, be patient and then i'm gonna edit all this out it's gonna be great um oh that's it. it it was it wasn't really a tip it was just more of something that my teacher pete magadini said to me when i first started studying with him and i just think it's something that teachers every once in a while need to tell their students especially if the students look up to that teacher, which I looked up to Pete. He was, he was a God to me. So we're in like our third or fourth lesson and I couldn't do this thing that he asked me to do. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry. Like, uh, give me a, hold on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And finally he just stopped me. He's like, stop apologizing. I work for you. You are employing me right now. You don't have to apologize ever for anything. As long as you're trying, you have nothing to apologize for. And just him saying, I work for you. is like, oh, but but you're 70, you know? And he's like, yeah. And you're paying me to be here. Like I work for you, man. Like it's all good. Just, and yeah. I think we have to every once in a while, let the nervous student know, like you never need to be sorry. And even if, even if you aren't practicing, it's like, I get it, man. You have a, a full life. You have two kids. Like I'm just here on the journey with you. I will always equal your effort, your your passion, but I'm never disappointed in a student. I'm never upset with a student. When somebody comes in and says, I honestly didn't practice at all. I'm like, cool. You want to just jam for a bit? Cause I'm not, I can't teach you anything new. Cause I, I do need you to do that thing that I taught you so that we can move in this progression, but it's okay. You don't have to apologize to me. Yeah. Oh exactly, man, I'm excited. I, I, I want to teach. I'm teaching tomorrow. So man, <laughs> I knew this one would be a longer episode. It's so good. We could, we could just go on and on and on. What's really cool, mate, from the virtual camp that we did, um, obviously we sent people, we send them the, the full lesson in HD and you sent yeah. them the PDFs that you did and you yep. sent them meet you there, which was the song I taught with the click. Um, Eric sent me a video yesterday of him playing meet you there. And it sounds, no, I was like the full song. It's Shut incredible. And he, and he nails it, mate. He absolutely nails it, man. So come on, um, Eric, if you're listening, mate, well done, man, because that was great. I'm uh, I'm going to send you a lengthy video back just saying how good it is and, and whatnot, that's but so it's great, cool. man. I mean, that, that's what it's about, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like we totally. wouldn't like sit on, um, Riverside and, and teach if we didn't genuinely want to teach. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not getting up there to just yeah. waffle and play drums and, and do whatever and stream. Do you know what I mean? And or jam. we just didn't genuinely want people to grow from it. It's like, that's, 
if if I didn't think people could grow from it, like we wouldn't charge. Like yeah. the whole point is like, okay, we want to offer you something valuable. We will definitely be doing more virtual camps in the future. This is where you will find out about them. So keep listening to the podcast. If you would like to support this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. It's what keeps this podcast ad free. The podcast has grown to a number now that we are getting offered ads on a daily basis. Basically, I get an email from our podcast hosting company and they say, hey, your numbers say that you should be running ads. Here's some ads. And Eddie and I listen to them and we laugh and we're like, never. That is not <laughs> happening on our podcast. That So we want to keep this podcast ad free forever. And the way we do that is through your Patreon um, subscription. So if you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie sign up to become a patron and you guys will always get first dibs on virtual camps, real camps, all that kind of stuff and, and some good hang time as well. But until next time, episode 152 is in the can. Boom.